people that have what we call an anxious attachment style, where they get very anxious about remaining connected to a partner, um, have a lot of fears of abandonment. Those styles in particular can be vulnerable to narcissists as well. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. All right, we have today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, special guest, Shelly Pumphrey. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ani. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. So Shelly is a single mom of two teenage daughters, as well as a psychotherapist and a coach. She's currently running three mental health practices, including a group holistic mental health practice and her newest venture, the Nest Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Center. In addition, she's the clinical director for a third group practice. Shelly's a busy woman. (laughs) She is the author of Insight is 2020, How to Trust Yourself to Protect Yourself from Narcissists, Bullies, and Toxic People. She has 27 years of clinical experience and loves to help people heal from trauma and abusive relationships using a holistic focus. This This is a topic that I think is going to really interest a lot of listeners. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. So it yeah. seems like narcissism is a buzzword these days. Lots, I hear lots of it. I hear them, mm-hmm. especially like with my counseling clients, right? Like they struggle with being in relationships with narcissists. And even on TikTok, I, <laughs> I see right? things come up. People are posting about nar- like in the relationship with the narcissist and how to deal with the narcissism and se- or a narcissist. So can you tell us a bit more about this disorder and how to identify it in someone? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I agree. Like it just, it seems like it's this buzzword. I don't know if it's that, you know, social media is just, you know, it's trending all over the place. And now we have a a place where everybody can talk about it and we're just um, raising our awareness. Um, I don't know that you know, there's, there's a whole other question of, is there really more narcissism in the world? Are we just like paying more Mm -hmm. attention to it? I think it's probably the latter. Um, So, you know, I always like to clarify narcissistic personality disorder is just one aspect or one type of, we'll just call it a pathological or toxic kind of person. Um, And usually people that have traits of narcissism will have traits of some other types of personality disorders. So I'll talk a little bit about narcissism. And then I want to kind of talk about this broader kind of um, catch-all term, uh, which I prefer, which is called a pathological love relationship, if we're talking about like our our partners. Um, And that captures just people with narcissism, people who might be a a psychopath or a sociopath, and maybe we don't even know what their diagnosis is, but we know that these types of relationships with these toxic kinds of uh, people with these personality disorders cause inevitable harm in us. Um, And that's where that pathological love relationship term comes in. So 
Um, narcissism in, in, in particular is, you know, I like to think of it on a spectrum where we all actually have some degree of narcissism in us. And, you know, I think people need to remember that unless you're a therapist and, you know, you need to be diagnosing people <laughs> for a living that it, you know, don't get so hung up on, you know, really making sure is this person a narcissist or not? Um, Cause I'm going to, we'll talk maybe in a bit here about what is really more important to think about, in, you know, versus diagnosing this person. In general, though, a narcissist is somebody who tends to um, feel like they're superior to other people. They um, tend to think that, you know, they're better. The rules don't apply to them. They should get special treatment. Um, they also lack empathy. Um, and I also I like to say that sometimes nar certain narcissistic people can have what I like to call cognitive empathy, where they can kind of say the right things and say, I care about this person, but actually feeling like they care about another person is a whole different thing. Um, so like all the essential so, <laughs> ingredients of a good relationship, like a healthy relationship. And so yes. when you're in that relationship with a narcissist, like it's just no wonder it's so difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you, I mean, you've got to have empathy mm. to really do, you know, to be able to have a healthy, loving relationship with a partner. And you have to be on um, that even playing ground. And if one of the persons yeah. think they're above, yeah, it just doesn't make for that healthy relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I like to point out to people is there are really two different types or presentations of narcissism. One is uh, grandiose narcissism or, or an overt narcissist, and the other is covert narcissism or vulnerable narcissism. And the overt or grandiose narcissist is usually the one that we think of when we, mm -hmm. you know, when people talk about narcissists, because they're sometimes easy to spot. Um, sometimes, you know, these are people that have a lot of charisma. They they can walk into a room and be like the, the loudest, over, brightest yeah. <laughs> personality. They know how to like work the room. Um, they can be very seductive. They can, um, you know, in the beginning, especially in a, of a relationship, they can, um, you know, do Make what we exciting. call love bombing, yeah. right? Like they, it can be intoxicating because, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like you're just like being treated like a queen or a king and they're mm -hmm. like the most amazing person. And, and all of a sudden you're feeling like, oh my God, we're soulmates. We have all this stuff in common and they're, they're showering me with love and attention and affection. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, so a grandiose narcissist is like, in the beginning, it can feel a lot like that. And they really wear that kind of superiority on their sleeve. Like you can see things um, early on, even though we miss this often. Um, but, you know, they can be kind of... They, they kind of show they're kind of full of themselves a little bit in the beginning. Okay. Um, and then a covert narcissist is very different. And these ones I are incredibly hard to spot. Even the grandiose narcissist can be hard to spot in the beginning. But I think the covert narcissist is tricky because they still lack empathy. They lack, um, they still have this kind of belief of superiority and they're better than other people, but it presents in a very different way and it, it can be subtle. And, and a covert narcissist can seem very, sometimes very shy, kind of anxious. Um, they, 
might even seem a little more humble or even like they they can seem like they're having insight and kind of looking at the behavior sometimes. They can be generous and loving and kind, but underneath it, there is the same kind of makeup as the grandiose narcissist and people will often start to see this much later on in the relationship with a covert mm -hmm. narcissist, it starts to come off or it starts to come out and can be That's really passive aggressive. They can, you know, go into rage. They often struggle with other social relationships. Some might want to be more isolated and you can hear these kinds of like, you know, talk about how other people may not like them or they're better than other people. They don't fit in. Um, it's a much different presentation. That's so interesting. I had never realized that because I also think of like when I think of somebody who ha has narcissistic personality disorder, I always think of the grandiose. Like I don't, yeah. and, and it seems like the covert one would be almost like the more dangerous of relationships to get in yes. because you're already so deep into it and so much more committed, invested in the relationship before yeah. those red flags come up. Yeah. So what are there certain um, traits of, of the person who's in the relationship with the narcissist, with the person with narcissism? Is there certain traits or what would make somebody vulnerable or more vulnerable to, to being in a relationship with somebody with narcissism? This is the most important question. Um, you know, and this is where I am just, I'm really passionate about making sure that we start getting this information right. And there's a lot, you know, most of the stuff that's out on social media or people that are, you know, very well-meaning. Um, a lot of times it's survivors turned, turned to experts, we'll say, which um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a survivor myself, um, so I can fit in that category. But a lot of times we look at it as um, a survivor is somebody who's codependent, or maybe they came from a history of childhood trauma. They might have had a narcissistic parent. So it, we kind of look through this lens of there's a trauma kind of feeling or inappropriate boundaries or something going on with somebody who's vulnerable to this. And that is actually, those can be vulnerabilities. I mean, if you're raised with a narcissistic parent, you can definitely be vulnerable because yeah. it's something that you just, you know, even though you might hate it. Um, trauma can definitely be something. Um, and in particular, one of the things that I like to teach people is, you know, trauma in early childhood can um, influence our attachment styles. And um, I won't spend a ton of time going into attachment because that's kind of a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but in my clinical experience, people that have what we call an anxious attachment style, where they get very anxious about remaining connected to a partner, um, have a lot of fears of abandonment, those styles in particular can be vulnerable to narcissists as well. Um, People who do have some degrees of codependency, yes, absolutely. You can, if if that's a pattern that you have, you can fall prey to these people because it's easy to kind of put your needs aside, let right. your boundaries be right. walked all over. Um, so, yes, on all of those. But I want to share um, some research that was done by a woman named Sandra Brown. She's really kind of a, a pioneer in working with pathological love relationships and 
she's done this groundbreaking research on this area that really challenges these beliefs that we've had and that keep getting regurgitated in the public about why mm. people get into these. And what she did a, a research study with Purdue University and what they found is that 63% of women, this was just done on women, um, did not actually have a history of childhood trauma or significant trauma, we'll say, nor did they have characteristics of codependency, but what they had instead were a couple of personality traits. And what I wanna say about personality is that personality is hardwired into us. It is what we are born with. And we don't typically change our personality traits. And so there are two traits in particular that she found. One is what we call agreeableness and the other is conscientiousness. And what happens is the agreeableness trait is where these people tend to be um, really flexible, very easygoing. They're very tolerant of poor behaviors, i.e. narcissistic right. types of stuff. They, they can have a lot of compassion and empathy and um, also a lot of loyalty to a relationship. So agreeableness is something that that trait can get people involved with a with a narcissist or a pathological partner in the first place because you're you're kind of the nice person you're willing to put up with it right. and that can look like codependency but it is a very different thing and then the conscientiousness is also like a lot of empathy and compassion and there's a high degree of loyalty and like a desire to like stick to it. Like I really want okay, to well, gotcha. work on this relationship. I, I, I want to put, you know, give it my all. And that's the trait that kind of keeps people stuck in the relationship. Right. Like feeling so hopeful that you're going to change that person or that. Yeah. You're gonna, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting about the personality, because when you were saying about the codependency and being able to set boundaries, you know, those are things that you can work on because you can only change yourself. Exactly. You can't change the other person. And those are things that you can definitely work on like through therapy or through coaching and be able to yes. create that change within yourself. But the personality, I guess you would, you know, just the fact of being aware of that, there's that agreeability yes. and the, what did you say? Consci conscientiousness. Conscientious, conscientiousness, but being aware and knowing like that you're already have these traits, these personality traits that can't necessarily yeah. be changed but you can definitely be aware and make sure that you're protecting yourself. So you want to try journaling, do you? You've heard that it can be therapeutic and can help you sort out all that mumble jumble in your mind. But when you sit down to do it, that blank page can be a bit intimidating. You're not sure what exactly you should write. And while there's a lot you could write, your mind goes blank and you never get that pen to paper. Well, let me help you. I've got a list of prompts that you can use next time you sit down with your journal. These are open-ended questions that will help you through the process of self-discovery, and it's yours free. Just go to the show notes, click the link, and download your list of journal prompts today. So what yeah. else can a person do to protect themselves from getting in a relationship or from the abuse of a narcissist? Yeah. Well, I think... I always like to say like awareness is your first step. And so learning about it, like knowing if you have these traits, what are your vul vulnerabilities in the, you know, in the first place, that's going to help you try to prevent this. Like if you know that you have those personality traits, 
you need to be extra careful if you're dating or in a new relationship and just, you know, be talking to other people, talk to a therapist or, you know, I mean, again, this is a a longer conversation of how do I learn how to manage these kinds of traits? Um, But, you know, one of the things that I talk about in my book that I um, have coming out soon is that we have to start paying attention to what I call our internal red flags. Because usually what happens is, you know, you get into a relationship, maybe you're long into the relationship and you know that something is off. And we go usually to Google or a girlfriend. Right, right, learning to trust yourself. Okay, is my partner a narcissist? You know, (laughs) if you're looking that up. (laughs) (laughs) Number one red flag, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes, it's probably a sign that something is off. So it's good to like raise your awareness, like looking up these things, reading a book, watching the YouTube videos that can help you understand or start to say, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. These things could be part of a narcissistic personality disorder. But the, the more important thing is to start to tune into yourself and to listen to your own red flags. And, you know, there's a couple of pieces of that, that I, um, like people to think of. And one is, you know, one of the things that starts to occur with these types of partners is there's a lot of gaslighting going on, which, you know, gaslighting is where um, it's crazy making. It's like they, the, the pathological partner, the narcissist will turn things around on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a a great example is somebody, you know, this person is cheating you, you have a suspicion because you saw some strange texts on their phone, right. you confront your partner about it. And instead of addressing the fact that there was a text on the phone from this other person, they turn it around on you. How dare you? You're jealous. Right. How crazy you're, you're, what's wrong with you searching my phone? You leave that conversation feeling like horrible. You feel guilty, right. you're confused about what just happened. That is gaslighting. Um, so in general, people who are in these relationships, if you, you know, in the beginning, if you start to feel that, that confusion, um, you're like, whoa, or you see a Jekyll and Hyde type of personality Mm -hmm. with your partner. um, Those are some of those things where you're like, oh, something doesn't feel right. I'm not feeling good about myself. I'm questioning myself. Um, Those are some of those initial things. But one of the biggest things to pay attention to is another big term that we're going to talk about is cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is where we have two opposing beliefs or values in our minds about something and they're they're in contrast with each other. So typically what happens is we start to feel like, oh, I love this person. He's my soulmate. He's so amazing. Yet, oh my God, I'm terrified. There's this Mm. other part of him that is so horrible. He makes me feel, you know, bad about myself. He scares me. And you're constantly holding this love, hate, love, fear kind of feeling about your partner. And when you start to do that, that is a huge red red flag Mm. that you have these two opposing beliefs. Um, and this is different from, I love, I love my husband, but I can't stand it when he doesn't put the dishes in the dishwasher. That is not cognitive dissonance. Right. <laughs> right? It's a little bit deeper this, than that. <laughs> yes. This is like, 
I love this person and this this person is also really hurting me. Yeah. me. And it and what happens on a on go, like as you continue through this process of cognitive dissonance, you start to rec- you start to notice that you're putting up with things that you never would have put up with. Mm-hmm. You know, like you might have a belief that I would I never would have a partner that cheats on me. And yet you almost go into this place of denial about right, your partner's right. cheating so that you can stay in the relationship. Safe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. So that's one of the biggest red flags to look for if you're experiencing that. And then the other things that I like to teach people are about what trauma actually does to you and what it feels like in your body. Um, And so, you know, if you're, one of the things that I see most survivors start to experience are physical symptoms of trauma that they often don't realize are connected to being stressed or or traumatized. And some of those are weight gain. People start to gain weight, especially around the belly, because when we have stress hormones being released all the time, it, it cortisol is the hormone and it, it collects around our belly. We get belly fat. Um, you might have insomnia. You might start to feel, um, like gut issues, like irritable bowel syndrome, or, um, you might start to notice that your whole body just starts to ache or you start to get weird symptoms that no doctor can explain. And I see people like who've been with partners over a long period of time, develop things like chronic fatigue. Um, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking out on the name, but like lots of like chronic inflammation types of of disease Mm -hmm. um, that can be very related to stress and trauma. So those are some physiological symptoms. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also just more of red flags of trauma in the moment. And that is, you know, do you find yourself going into what I call the, one of the four trauma responses, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And fighting is where you're always kind of on edge and you're you're getting into fights all the time with your partner or even with other people. Uh, Flight is where you want to run, you want to hide, you're Mm -hmm. trying to leave every time there's a fight freeze is where you're just literally like frozen, you know, your partner says something and this is something people seem to have a lot. I think freezing and fawning are two of the most frequent ones people experience, but freezing could be even like you've been okay. And the minute you hear your partner's car pull up at the end of the day, you free, you know, you're like shut down, you you check out, you're in this terrified state, like what's going to happen. Um, and then fawning is where we do a lot of people pleasing. And this is where the codependent type behaviors can start to come out, uh, where you're putting your needs aside, you're doing, you're walking on eggshells, you're doing everything you can to make this person okay, or to prevent a fight. 
Um, so engaging in those kinds of responses are also really big red flags that something is wrong. And you don't have to know if this person's a narcissist or not, but if you are in a relationship and those things are happening, it doesn't matter. You, right. you are in danger. That's your body telling you something is not okay and you need to do something about it. Right. Change needs to happen for sure. So yeah. if somebody is currently in a relationship with a narcissist, what advice would you offer her? Uh, if you, first of all, if you are questioning it, get outside help because what happens is people will question it and the gaslighting, the trauma, everything starts, the cognitive dissonance will keep you stuck and it can keep you stuck for years and, and years. And cause a lot of damage, absolutely. Yeah, so it's really important to have some outside validation. And I will say, sometimes asking a friend is okay, but more times than not, our friends and family because often they have no idea of what narcissistic abuse right. actually is. And they, you might get well-meaning advice like, oh, marriage is hard or, oh, just, you know, stick with it. Just take mm -hmm. care of your, you know, set a boundary. And, and that is not helpful. So if you're asking for advice from people and you're feeling worse or you're more confused, that's probably not the person to talk to. Um, so I would highly recommend if you're in a place where, you know, if, if you're in a safe enough place with a partner where you can go and get mental health therapy with a therapist or a coach who actually are trained and experienced in working with narcissistic abuse, that's probably that's one of the, the best things you yeah. can do. But there are, I have to say, there are so many therapists or coaches that even if they say they know it, that they may not really know it. Um, so you have to be really careful about who you choose in that. Um, and I think a good screening tool is to start asking that, you know, ask anybody. I mean, if they're say they, they do it, then even double check, like, do they know? And, and a lot of times survivors will start to pick up on all the terminology, right. like love bombing or gaslighting. And you can bring in some of that terminology and start asking and see if that person even knows just some of that, mm. like, you know what love bombing is? Right. What, how do you deal with gaslighting? Um, you know, you can, that's a little easy screening thing you can do. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing but a lot of people are stuck in relationships where they couldn't go get therapy because maybe their finances are being controlled or their partner uh, wouldn't let them go to therapy. So if that's the case, you might have to do some underground kind of stuff to Digging, help yourself, yeah. you know, whether it's listening to podcasts, reading the books, listening to YouTube people, like doing everything you can to educate yourself and try to empower yourself to get out. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of different things you can do if you're in an unsafe situation to try to um, slowly and safely work yourself out of a relationship. Well, I've got two more questions for you, but I, you have given so much information and so much of your wisdom. And I really do appreciate it because I know that for the, the, the listeners that are listening right now that could gain so much value and hopefully are empowered to educate themselves and learn, recognize the signs and, and help themselves get out of that, that toxic relationship for sure. So what is, you are a mom, right? How many mm -hmm. kids do you have? 
I've got two daughters. Two daughters. Okay. And so what is your favorite way to practice self-care and recharge your battery? Mm, Such a good question and so important for us mamas. Um, I do a lot of yoga and meditation. Those are probably two of the most important things for me. I have a daily meditation practice and I make sure that I get up early every morning before work before well obviously (laughs) but I get up and I I set aside at least an hour every morning for my daily routine of me first me before anything else and if I don't do that I will never find time in the day so that's (laughs) that's probably the biggest thing for me to do so you're very intentional which is awesome (laughs) yeah yeah so we love reading you know, personal books on personal development and self-growth. And so what book would you say? And it's, this is always a hard question to answer because I know there's so many books. There's so many great books out there. Right. But what book would you say has been, has profoundly or greatly influenced your life and continues to influence the way you live today? It, oh, I, I know it's hard. Such, <laughs> it's like, well, from which month? <laughs> And how recent, Um, you know, probably one of the most life-changing books has been The Surrender. There's a book, well, a book that many people know is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I have heard of that. Um, But there's actually a book that he wrote. It's his autobiography called The Surrender Experiment. Um, And that book is actually one that really helps me because it it's very much about like surrendering to all the things that life brings you, especially when you're like, I, I want life to be this way. And then life says, no, it, we're going to make it this way. <laughs> and so it was just a really great book to help me build that muscle of surrender and, and going with whatever comes up and trusting in, in myself and, you know, for me, it's more of a spiritual trust that, you know, everything's okay. The universe has your back. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that would be a powerful one for me. All right. So if people want to find you, where, where can they find you? Where are you at? Where are you at? Well, my website, ShellyPumphrey.com is the best place to find me. I've also on Instagram and Facebook as Shelly Pumphrey. So uh, and hopefully you'll have that printed uh, uh, up somewhere because my name is really hard to spell. It's a Shelly with a C-H. <laughs> yes, I will put all of your information in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to find out more about Shelly, check out the show notes and you can find all her information in there. So Shelly, yeah. I want to thank you for coming on to the, to the show today. And I really appreciate you making time in your day to talk to us and share with the listeners. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I love this show. I love what you're doing and uh, just really enjoyed this. So I appreciate it. The mission of Moms Without Capes is to empower super moms, moms who don't make time for themselves because they are so busy taking care of everyone and everything else. My goal is to help you get comfortable with hanging up your cape. You might be holding on tight to your cape, tying your worth to your to-do list, packing your schedule and running the kids all over town, sacrificing or postponing your own passions, neglecting your health, and at the end of the day, falling into bed exhausted and already worrying about what needs to get done tomorrow. Sound familiar? This was me for about a decade. 
The guilt, the shame, the resentment, the overwhelm, the exhaustion. I struggled to put myself on my to-do list, and when I did, I was last on the list, and rarely did I feel up to doing anything that would make me feel good. So my health, my mood, and my family suffered because of it. I started with the doing part, because I am an action taker, and so I began implementing small acts of self-care into my days. Being intentional about doing one small thing each day that was just for me. Then I began doing the internal work, the mindset shifts, the self-discovery, and the self-building that helped me truly love myself. Before then, I struggled with low self-esteem, lacked confidence, and was constantly criticizing myself. I had limited boundaries, which led me to saying yes even when I meant no. I learned how to identify what I wanted and needed and then got good at communicating what I needed and wanted. I started dealing with the perfectionism that ruled my life and I started practicing self-compassion. Maybe you are struggling with many of these same issues and you recognize yourself in what I just shared. If so, I invite you to sign up for a discovery call with me. I get it. I can help you let go of that super mom cape and not only find the woman hiding underneath, but fall in love with her. You do not have to do this alone. I want to help you. In the show notes of today's episode, you will find the link to my calendar. Let's talk about what's going on for you and see if working together would make sense on your journey to discovering and loving yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.